Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Wednesday, March 8th. Uh, the NFL Combine has come and gone. Franchise tag deadline ended at 4 p.m., just a few hours before we were recording, and there is a ton going on across the entire landscape of sports. Uh, I'm coming back from uh, a camping trip. Uh, I've been gone since the Friday episode came out. Uh, I missed a ton of news that happened and came home to just a world of news that absolutely shocked me. Um, so, yeah, I'm exhausted, sunburnt, and ready to catch up on everything that's happened. So, Brock, let's get into it. Uh, today we've got some NFL news, a uh, bunch of news coming out of the Combine to do with the draft and everything. Uh, a little bit of uh, college football news. We're going to do a college football stadiums draft. Uh, I'm going to talk just a few minutes about the World Baseball Classic because it starts uh, as we're recording tonight at 11 p.m. And then we'll hit stake your claim and then uh, just give some final words and get out of here. Started off with the NFL news. Tons going on. We'll start with Derek Carr. Uh, he signs with the New Orleans Saints for years, $150 million. $100 million of that is guaranteed money. Brock, what do you think about this signing? I like it. I also think <clears throat> I kind of said to my friends, like, he's, what, 31? So he's still, like, he's not uh, old. He's old in football standards, but he still has, got, has a good few years left in him. So I like the four years, making a good amount of money. And I think he's just going to fit in great with the Saints. Yeah, I, I think he's a great fit. It's a great place to be. Um, he also kind of sh- – they structured the deal uh, that both sides did to help with the team's cap situation. He's got a new no-trade clause. Uh, and also a big priority of his was he wanted to sign with the team before free agency and so that he could lure other free agents to follow him. And that's kind of what the Saints – or sorry, what the Jets and Panthers couldn't offer – because the Jets are active in the sweepstakes for Aaron Rodgers, which we'll talk about. And then the Panthers, just I don't think they've really made up their mind. So him going to the Saints made the most sense. Uh, A couple of fun facts, or really just one fun fact. This signing means that the Saints will most likely continue their run of not drafting a quarterback with a first or second round pick since 1971 when they drafted Archie Manning. And (laughs) He's number two in New Orleans history behind... Uh, Drew Brees. Yeah. But also, this means that all four NFC South teams will have a new starting quarterback um, as opposed to last season. So that is just insane. I think it's the first time it's happened in like, I want to say 20 plus years uh, that any division uh, has gone through all teams changing starting quarterbacks from week one of last year to week one of the next. So, yeah, this is crazy. Um I think Derek Carr is a fantastic signing. He's set up very well in New Orleans. Yeah, I think that's uh, he, he's going to fit in great there in New Orleans. And you kind of said, uh, speaking of the NFC South as a whole, I think uh, Kyle Trask, he's, I don't know how good he's going to be when he gets there. Because, of course, you know, we haven't really seen anything with Tom Brady being front. But I, I believe that we've seen him once or twice before, and he didn't really look too good. And then I think uh, Matt Corral has a good shot uh, being the starter this year for Carolina. Uh, I would really like to see that. He did good in college and uh, has a great arm and a good ability. So I would like to see him uh, go out there. But like you said, it's crazy to see this whole division with basically brand new starting quarterbacks. Yeah, People we aren't familiar with, especially the division we're the most (laughs) uh, – we know the best since, you know, we're Falcons fans. 
Yeah, it's going to be crazy. There's a ton of new faces in the division. Um, obviously, the quarterbacks, but um, you know, coaches as well. With the new uh, with Frank Reich in Carolina, there's just a ton of changes right now in the NFC South. But I do think that maybe this season will show up a little bit better. Uh, hopefully, a team will do better than eight and nine. We'll see uh, because there, there's a few things going on. But first, let's talk about Daniel Jones. He agreed to a four-year, $160 million deal with the Giants. They avoid the franchise tag right at that 4 p.m. deadline. $82 million of this contract is guaranteed. Um, at $40 million, uh, with that $40 million a year, they kind of meet in the middle because the negotiation started. The Giants offered him like thirty-five. His agent said no. They um, answered that with like forty-six. And the Giants said no, so they met in the middle at 40. And I think that's, okay, it seems high, but it's also relatively reasonable. Yeah, I still feel like Danny Dimes isn't worth, you know, Buku's amounts of money, and I still feel like he's up a little much. But, I mean, hey, he's gotten it done for him this year. He looks to be, he's made progress, and, I mean, they only signed him four years, you know, so that's a, I think that's a good, uh, you know, in this four years, it's, hey, this is kind of your make or break. Yeah, and now he's making as much money as Dak Prescott and Matthew Stafford. So uh, either the expectation is that you throw a billion interceptions or you win a Super Bowl. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe he'll hit the middle ground. Maybe he won't throw a ton of interceptions, but maybe he'll, like, get to an NFC championship game. Who knows? But the problem with this signing is that it they kind of ignored Saquon here. They end up franchise tagging him at the deadline, and I don't think this is going to bode well for Saquon's relationship with the front office. Um, uh, it was pretty obvious that he did not want to get franchise tagged, and I think this is really going to cause a rift in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I said it before. I, if I was the Giants, I would have pursued Saquon before I pursued uh, Daniel Jones like that, you you know? Yeah, I think where it probably stems from is he's already had the injury problem. So that, you know, you never know when that's going to come back. And he's a running back. And the running back market is always so crazy in the NFL. There's always guys becoming available. There's always a new guy in the draft that ends up being really good. And it's hard to sign a running back long-term and just be certain that they're going to stand out all four years and really be worth that money or, you know, uh, longer. So I get the hesitation, but I agree with you. He should have been the priority over Daniel Jones. Yeah, because, I mean, you can see the years when um, Saquon was hurt. They struggled horribly, and as soon as he's come back, their offense completely changed. Yeah, and part of that is to how well Daniel Jones played this past season, but you're right. Saquon changes the game when he's in the game because you got you to gotta deal with him. If he's not in the game, your focus is Daniel Jones when, it, when you're playing against the Giants, but if Saquon's on the field, he's going to have eyes on him. So it, it definitely changes the dynamics of the offense. But I think the biggest story today is that Lamar Jackson got the non-exclusive franchise tag. They didn't come to an agreement on a deal, which nobody really thought they would. Uh, he'll be making $32.4 million, And 
he can still get offers um, once the official start of the league year comes around, uh, which is a week from today, uh, March 15th, or I guess a week from tomorrow. But um, if he signs an offer sheet, uh, the Ravens can match him or keep or so they can match him to keep him or they could let him walk and they would receive two first round picks. So that is where a bunch of teams were a little bit hesitant. They don't want to give up two first round picks. And the problem is, is if they submit an offer sheet before the draft, they have to have a 2023 first rounder and a 2024 first rounder available. So that eliminates teams like the Rams, Dolphins, 49ers, amongst others, from even giving an offer because they don't have a 2023 or a 2024 first-round pick available. And so the Ravens, they did this in the best way for them possible, which was scare away teams from trying to offer him while still locking him up for one more year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly what you said. They did it what was best for them. And, I mean, they're, they're a football team and organization that wants to win. They are going to do what's best for them. Yeah, and they did a great job at that because the Falcons, um, it came out they're not pursuing Lamar. And even though others throughout the past couple days and even today are still saying it, that the Falcons' interest is still real and that the conversations progressed a ton uh, during the combine. But – other teams are out as well. The Dolphins, the Panthers, the Commanders, the Raiders. It, it seems like they've all been announced as they're, that they're out as well, and it's very weird. Um, I, I don't understand how everybody could flip that quick when it seemed like it was a consensus that he'd be getting the non-exclusive franchise tag. They knew what was coming, and now all of a sudden they're all out. I think it was kind of like, no, like you said, no one wants to give up their two first-round picks. Now, I could see... Uh, the maybe if um, Atlanta wanted him, still wanted him, and they can work out a way to where they don't give up this year's pick, that would be good. But I mean, Atlanta needs this first round pick desperately to start building up their defense. Yeah, they do. It, it, it's a big part of it, and so I understand the hesitation. But at the same time, it's like you have an opportunity to get a generational talent at quarterback, I feel like it's something you got to just try. Yeah. I, I would love to see if they – if especially Atlanta, of course, being an Atlanta fan. I would love to be able to see if they can get a, a deal worked out or something because I think that would just make the NFC South even more interesting having – the Atlanta Falcons with Lamar Jackson and Derek Carr and the Saints and all their weapons would be very interesting to see. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting one to watch. But let's talk about Geno Smith real quick. So he signed a three-year deal, $105 million with the Seahawks, but it's a very interestingly set-up deal. Uh, Pete Carroll said it himself that Geno is gambling on himself by signing this. It's a three-year deal in 70 – it's really three years, $75 million. Uh, with $40 million guaranteed. $30 million of his deal is all incentives, which is a huge number for only a three-year contract. And so this kind of opens the door back up for the Seahawks to possibly still go with a quarterback with their fifth overall pick. Yeah, and I mean, if there's someone there they won't, I wouldn't be surprised if they took him. Yeah, I, I think at this point, if Stroud – 
or Richardson is available there, even Bryce Young, because I, I really don't know right now who's going to be the, the, you know, the number one off the board or even the number two. But um, if one of those three is available at five, I'd probably say the most likely is either Stroud or Richardson. Um, just based on how these next couple weeks go before the draft. But um, yeah, if one of them's available, you can sit them for a year. That's fine. But if Gino's not performing, you have a top, you know, a top three quarterback in the class available. Yeah. I think uh uh I think I could definitely see them picking up a quarterback and them, like you said, sitting behind Gino for a year before they finally get their chance to show themselves. Because I think Gino will probably still be good for this year and probably for the next year as well. But, you know, he's also kind of getting up there in in football years. So I wouldn't blame them for wanting to get a quarterback in this draft, especially with as high as a pick they have. Yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of decisions to be made with the Seahawks. But there is a couple other players um, that got tagged uh, just before the deadline. So Tony Pollard, that one got announced, uh, I believe, a couple days ago. Uh, He got franchise tagged by the Cowboys. Uh, They couldn't come to a deal. Uh, The same for the Raiders with Josh Jacobs. They franchise tag him. Uh, The Jaguars franchise tag Evan Ingram. And the Commanders franchise tag Deron Payne. All of these fantastic guys to keep on the squad. The one that I saw that was surprised didn't get franchise tagged was the Falcons offensive lineman, Caleb McGarry. He was a pro bowler this season and the Falcons have finally gotten to the point where they have a skilled offensive line. And now they're just giving up a guy who is honestly a top offensive lineman in the league right now. Yeah, that, that is very confusing to me. That's something we've struggled with for years is not having the best O line. And now we're, Possibly, you know, go back in that situation after getting a having a pretty successful offense this past season and having good running backs, a halfway decent quarterback, and some receivers. Yeah, it's a interesting situation to be in, but you know, there's still the opportunity that we just sign him back, and maybe he just wanted to renegotiate the deal entirely. But I just, I don't know. It's it's interesting because. Like I kind of just said, and you said as well, like it, it's been a, a process for years of drafting guys like Caleb McGarry. I believe we drafted him in like 2019 and he was okay. He had some injuries, like some problems happened, you know, but finally showed himself this year. And now we're just letting him walk. I think that's a bonehead decision by the Falcons. Yeah, quite horrid decision. Now it looks like DeAndre Hopkins might be getting traded. Um, It it was kind of talked about a little bit uh, over the last couple of weeks, but it seems like the Cardinals finally have their full idea on the situation. So um, they won't be trading him before free agency starts, but uh, it looks like they're asking for a second-round pick and a conditional pick or player. That seems kind of low for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. I know he's getting up there in age, coming off of like the PED suspension and everything else, but still DeAndre Hopkins. I feel like he has more value than a second rounder and possibly a conditional picker player. Yeah, I agree. I feel like D-Hop has at least a couple more years left in him. I mean, I said the same thing about Julio Jones a few years ago, and then he went on to do nothing. So I could be wrong, but um, 
I mean, he he's still, like you said, DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, and the three primary teams in the conversation right now are the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, which is one I think I brought up on Friday's episode, and then the New England Patriots and the New York Giants. So maybe if he goes to the Giants, that, that offense would be very good. Yeah, that would upgrade their offense tremendously if um, he could go there. Yeah, so we'll just have to see where DeAndre Hopkins ends up. But for now, it does seem like he is out of Arizona. Yeah, I mean, would you want to be in that dumpster fire? Hell no. But <laughs> let's talk about Rodgers. A ton of ha- has happened with Aaron Rodgers. Came back from his darkness retreat just a couple of days ago. Um, and throughout the weekend, it was kind of talked about how like he was going to need permission from the Packers to talk to other teams. So... Um, it appears that the Packers gave him the permission to talk to the Jets and the Jets owner, Woody Johnson, and the Jets GM, Joe Douglas, head coach Robert Sala, and offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett hopped on Woody Johnson's private jet, flew over to California just a few hours ago, and are meeting with Aaron Rodgers, most likely as we speak. Um, this is an interesting, very quick uh, developing story because – it seemed like just a couple of days ago, Rogers was going on press conferences like, look, I I want to be there. It, it kind of seemed like that's how he was, but he had to talk with the Packers first. And now it looks like the Packers were hoping this whole time that Aaron Rodgers didn't want to come back. Yeah, I think honestly for them, I don't I, I've said it a bazillion times. Uh, if I was the Packers, I'd want to trade him and get all the picks and all the players or whatever I could off of him. Yeah. And it looks like the Jets players are already happy to see this news. Sauce Gardner tweeted uh, and tagged Aaron Rodgers, said, uh, I promise if you become a Jet, I won't pick you off in practice and I'll burn the cheese head. So Sauce Gardner wants himself a quarterback as well. Uh, but I think we do need to keep in mind there's still a world where Rodgers retires. Yeah. Um, you know, that darkness retreat could have done things to him. So, yeah, there, there is no telling, but, um, as well, um, Rogers, if he does go really anywhere, Alan Lazard is a free agent. He, he might follow. So it, let's say he does go to the jets. They could pick up Alan Lazard, team him up with Garrett Wilson, uh, and the other receivers in that team and, you know, maybe create just a little bit more of a better offense by adding a solid wide receiver into that mix. Yeah, I mean, they already have Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, who are both uh, great uh, receivers. Elijah Moore, this year did not do as good as he did his rookie year, but his season was great. And uh, obviously, Wilson did a great job as well. So I think um, they the, another wide receiver there would be great. I think, they like we talked about, they just need a quarterback back there. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, maybe we'll see the Jets – make a move. I don't think that this deal is going to get done like right as soon uh, as the new league year starts. Uh, I think, you know, maybe it'll take a little bit for uh, the Jets and Packers to work out a trade deal, but it, I think it is likely now that Rodgers will be with the Jets. Yeah, and honestly, I think that's uh, it's probably the best for, best for him. Yeah, it's I a mean, huge move. And I think that's great for Green Bay as well because – they obviously had a lot of hopes on Jordan Love and still think he's a great, uh, the next great thing. So I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really great for the Packers to be able to restart. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, a couple of guys there, they're looking for Jordan Love to come in. Um, it's been said, you know, especially at the Combine, a lot of conversation about Jordan Love. Um, I believe it was the Packers GM himself said that Jordan Love deserves to be a starter in the NFL. And it just kept seeming like they were pushing out Rodgers. And now it looks like they officially have. Yeah, I think this past season of him not being, you know, the superstar that he, he's been the last few seasons is just a great example of, like, you know, just kind of hitting the fans and be like, oh, yeah, maybe this time we move on from him, you know? Yeah, uh, and I don't That's blame just, them. Yeah, that is just all. They were just waiting for that, and then they finally got it. All right, well, there's some whisperings going on down in Houston where it seemed like it was a consensus. They're the number two pick. They're going to take a quarterback. Well, now looks like they want some veteran leadership, and it's possible that the Texans are pushing to make a deal for Jimmy G. That is, um, I think, personally, I'd rather have a younger quarterback that's got a great upside. But, I mean, maybe, you know, they're going to, they really want to build up their – they have a defensive head coach and he really wants to build up that defense and, you know, get everywhere else and just bring in a veteran quarterback because why risk it on someone who may not be great when you know someone – you can get someone who's going to be perfectly – do just as good – just, you know, be perfectly okay. What I mean by this, he'll be able to get the ball where you need to be. He'll be able to lead your team. He ha- Like you said, been to a Super Bowl – been in the playoffs he's been a, a good quarterback and he has experience so maybe that's what they want at quarterback right now while they have a very young team around him then in a few years bring in a young quarterback and build him up yeah I, I think it's kind of a smart move here because look the, the Texans have been in a bad spot for the last couple of years they've brought in you know multiple different head coaches and it doesn't seem like they want to give any of them an opportunity D'Amico Ryans has come in, and I think he's just decided, look, we need to get some wins. And that's the best way, not just for the team to do better, but for D'Amico Ryans to at least give himself a little bit of ground to stand on in Houston. Because I think he does deserve to be a head coach, and he's 100% qualified to be a head coach. But when you're a young head coach, you're very expendable. And yeah. His job is not secure. He doesn't have mm-hmm. a resume that you know gives him the merit to stay. And if he can get wins early, he'll give the ownership and the front office no reason to get rid of him. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's talk about some interesting stuff about Tom Brady. So Rich Eisen reported that the Dolphins are still a possible landing spot for Tom Brady. It doesn't matter that he's retired. We still have to talk about Tom Brady coming back. And Brady quote tweeted Rich Eisen and uh, immediately shot it down on Twitter. Uh, He said, anyone who thinks I have time to come back to the NFL has never adopted a two-month-old kitten for their daughter. Yeah, he says this, but (laughs) he was retired, what, last year for a month? Yeah, well, he says that like he hasn't been taking care of his children as well. Well, does that not surprise you? I guess that's fair. He's having to suck the soul out of him so he can stay young to play in the NFL. That sounds like some ridiculous conspiracy theory stuff, so we're going to move on. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, so interesting headline here. So a juvenile was injured um, in the Anderson Township. Um, I can't remember which state. Uh, it was near the home of Joe Mixon. Uh, Mixon's house now has some crime scene tape around it. Uh, so kind of the only information we have here right now, uh, there were shots fired near his home. Mixon's involvement is not known. Uh, they uh, People kept knocking on the doors. Nobody would answer. Uh, allegedly, the kids were playing... Um, this was in quotes in the headline, Nerf War in the area. Not sure you know, the age of these kids, but uh, a kid was hospitalized. There's no uh, information on the extent of the injury. But just a couple of weeks ago, we were in the same place talking about Joe Mixon and this weird allegation. Um, and, and like everybody was shooting it down. And then that just disappeared. I haven't heard a single word about that. And now another time with something bad happening and Joe Mixon is in the conversation. I don't know what's going on right now with him. Yeah. Is he having like a crisis or something? Yeah. And this one is, is much more of an interesting situation because obviously we don't know the age of the kids. Um, you know, Nerf war can mean plenty of things. I know for us, when we think of Nerf wars, um, it's a, a high school thing is done, you know, outside of school uh, amongst a bunch of people at our local high school. But, I, you know, it's also what very young kids do. They just mm-hmm. shoot each other with Nerf guns. But when, you know, gun violence comes into play, like there's no telling what could have happened. And, you know, we don't have very many details. And we'll get more um, as time goes on because this is a, a, a big deal. Um but yeah, this for the moment is a very weird situation, especially because I don't think we've gotten any statements uh, from Joe Mixon's side. Yeah, I'm very intrigued to hear more about this because Nerf guns, especially Nerf guns, are very different than a real gun. Yes. And you don't mistake those. Now, if it was an airsoft gun, a pellet gun, paintball gun, okay, maybe. But Nerf guns are completely different and shaped different than a real gun. Yeah, and that is on purpose. And maybe, you know, he went into his own version of the darkness treat Aaron Rodgers went on, and, you know, they haven't worn off yet. Yeah, there, there's no telling what happened here. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll just have to see. And hopefully that, that kid is all right. Um, obviously, yes. no information has come out on that either. Uh, we probably won't receive much, but yeah, uh, this is an interesting situation that is most definitely going to develop here quickly and we'll, we'll hear an answer, but let's talk a little bit more about a little bit of rumors going around the NFL. Tons of stuff going on. There's some whispers. Sorry. He's watching the Ole Miss versus Southern Miss baseball game. I'll give him a break. I just watched that home run too. He got all of that one. Yeah, that was fantastic. There's some whisperings circulating around the NFL that Nick Chubb could be traded to help the Browns cap situation. I don't know about you, Brock. I think this is stupid as hell. That is the dumbest thing the Browns could do. And I know the Falcons have their uh, running back situation all fine, but I wouldn't mind having Nick Chubb in Atlanta. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with Nick Chubb in Atlanta, but... I'll give him Cordell Patterson and a late-round pick. Yeah, I, I think it would probably take 
significantly more than that, but I'd give that. Oh a yeah, two. but <laughs> a, a couple late round picks in okay. other rounds or other years. Yeah, we'll see. But for the moment, you wouldn't be in this fucking cap situation if you didn't guarantee Deshaun Watson a shitload of money and also pay him like fifty million or fifty four million a year or something ridiculous like that, like. It, that's why you're in a cap situation, and now you're going to fuck yourself over by losing a top three running back in the NFL. Yeah, I, I just do not understand the the whole situation of getting Deshaun Watson there. That's still insane to me. I feel like there's enough with him that you pro- we, they probably could get him for cheaper. There was enough, you know, bad press on him. Yeah, it's it's a very weird situation going on in Cleveland. Uh, another weird situation according to some gms and executives it's possible that jalen carter may drop out of the top 10 uh obviously due to all of the problems that happened last week that i don't even want to get into but do you think that this is like a realistic thing that could happen i mean he is easily the best defensive lineman in this draft and possibly in comparison to previous drafts as well he's probably one of the best defensive linemen in the past few years so I think that's a great question. I don't know because who knows what other charges could possibly be brought against him and what he could be what he could be blamed for or get charged with and have to miss out on, you know, possible jail time or something like that with involvement, who knows? Because again, this is so vague with everything going on right now. No one really knows what's going what's gonna happen to him. Yeah. This situation is extremely touchy. Because, you know, it, it directly deals with uh, two people losing their lives uh, in a car accident. But, yeah, I, I don't know because we don't know, like, the magnitude of everything. It You know, people were talking about how it'll probably end up as just, like, two misdemeanors. But, nope, teams don't want to see that, especially in a top ten kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And the, I don't mean to say this in a... I, you know, it is very unfortunate and sad what happened, but I don't know what his involvement is, so I'm not really going to say anything on that. But if he does fall outside the top 10, and who knows, maybe out of the first round, whoever gets him will have a steal. Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, I don't know the exact information, but the fact. I just think it's very convenient that all this comes out right at the combine and right close towards the draft. Yeah, it, it is weird timing because, I, like, we found out a, a, a decent amount of details about the accident and everything that happened that night. And then, what, it, it's probably been a, a month, month and a half? Right since, at a month and a half, yeah. Since that happened. And now Jalen Carter's name is being brought into it literally the day that he was supposed to work out at the combine. Yeah. So, uh, again, I don't want to be insensitive. I don't know what's going on. And I would like to know more. But, of course, we have to wait and be respectful and know. And, and you know, they're, they're going to do it all how, they're, how it's supposed to. But, again, just find it very convenient. Yeah, it is very odd timing. Uh Let's let's switch off of these just interesting conversations here. Let's talk about the Bears here. So they're closing in on trading the number one pick. Uh, teams have been identified. Compensation is still being figured out. 
Um, it looks like the realistic conversation um, that the owner, Ryan Poles, uh, has talked about is this year's first round pick, this year's second round pick, and the next two years first round picks for that number one overall. That is insane. That's a lot. Yeah. But, you know, the idea, and I get it, is that you're drafting your franchise quarterback. Why do you need those picks? That is true. I just, I'm, of course, I'm not a NFL owner, so and I haven't been, never had these situations before. But that's just something I don't, I don't know how. I may need a quarterback or something so desperately. I don't know if I could get give up three first round picks and a second round pick. Yeah, it, it's a lot, and I, I, I think that that's just kind of the starting point. I think that will be the starting point with every team they talk to. Obviously, things will be sorted out, probably oh, yeah. less than that. But, you know, for now, that is a lot. Yeah. That is just insane. Again, like you said, uh, this could potentially be a future all-star, you know, big, like the next generational talent. Um, and so who knows? Yeah. Uh that's one that uh, I'm more. I'm probably more interested in, in what a team's going to have to give up to get that pick because we don't see the number one pick traded often, especially if it's a team that's trading up pretty high. Like there's been some like you know one and two trades, but not much comes out of those ones. Uh, so this one will be very interesting. Let's talk about something that I just think is it, it, it's stupid. Peter King reported that Broncos head coach Sean Payton plans to put an old car, uh, which would be stripped of its rear view and side mirrors in the team's headquarter parking lot for all players and coaches to see. Uh, Quoted, uh, as he said at the Combine, he wants his players and his new organization to look ahead and not behind. Now tell me that's not the corniest shit you've ever heard. I mean, it sounds dumb as all get out, but <laughs> he has won a Super Bowl and is a very good head coach. So I guess, I guess we just have to be okay with that. But I'll, that I'll is you, so I'll, stupid. If this was like, um, I'm trying to think of a really crappy coach. Oh, my mind just drew a blank. Oh my gosh! But if this was, you know, some crappy head coach, I was doing that. Okay, I'd be like, yeah, no. But you know, at least he's he's got the resume to be able to do stupid, crazy things. I guess, but yeah, that, that that's so lame. Like, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like all the stuff Tom Brady says and does. It's like, okay, that's weird, but you have won seven Super Bowls, so we'll give you we'll give you a little bit of a a break there. Yeah, we can question Rogers for his darkness retreat yeah. because he only got one Super Bowl, one Super Bowl, but three MVP. So it's like, ah. Uh, yeah, we'll just have to see. <laughs> but uh, Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley has been reinstated by the NFL uh, following his gambling suspension, which I still think is kind of ridiculous, but I'm not getting into that. Um, I think this is fantastic. I, I think we've already talked about this a little bit, about you know what the future holds for this Jaguars offense when Calvin Ridley's back. But, yeah, it, it's going to be a fantastic wide receiver uh, room on top of uh, – you know, uh, outstanding, uh, you know, going into his third year quarterback, Travis Etienne with, you know, 
over 1,100 rushing yards this past season. There is a ton to look forward to in Jacksonville. Yeah, I think this is just going to help that offense tremendously. Um, I feel like there's still some spots to work on defensively, you know, uh, some other spots, but I think they're going to be a great team this upcoming season. Yeah, and a little bit more news here. Brock Purdy's surgery uh, is set. Uh, It's going to occur at the end of the week, most likely. Uh, It looks like a six-month recovery is still the case, so he's not looking at coming back till early September, and I think that could possibly put a wrench in him being the, um, the starter week one. Yeah, I mean, they still have Trey Lance out there, so... Yeah, I, I think the Trey Lance will probably end up starting week one. I think we may see quarterback battle out there again, because I think Brock Purdy did really good, of course, led him to the, uh, what was it, the NFC Championship, right? Yeah. Yeah, led him to the championship, and he did great, but I think Trey Lance is still a great quarterback, and I think it, their role end up being a quarterback battle out there. Of course, Brock Purdy having the upper hand, but well, we shall see how it ends up. Yeah, I, I do think that this does set up an interesting quarterback battle, which might honestly be determined in games. Um, I could definitely see it as like a almost a quarterback by committee. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you'll – it's kind of like how Lane Kiffin did uh, Luke Altmeyer and uh, Jackson Dart this year. Let them both play a couple games. Yeah, just see what happens. And I know it's the NFL. It's a little bit different. But, look, when you've got to figure out who you want to be your starting quarterback, first of all, one of these guys is going to get their feelings hurt. It's going to cause some problems. And they're going to walk as soon as they get the opportunity to. And, you know, one guy – is the guy that you have to make the decision on. And I don't think that a bunch of drills and practice can determine that. I fully agree. You put him in the game and you see who who plays for which quarterback better. Who does the team play for better? Yeah, I, I really like that. It appears that Derrick Henry has been shopped for some trades uh, in the last couple of days, which sounds ridiculous. Uh, I'm not sure you know which side is looking at it, but... If there's teams calling the Titans about trades for Derrick Henry, they possibly I think they've lost their mind. I think he's unattainable at this point. Uh, I, if the Titans trade Derrick Henry, that is the dumbest move probably in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I think at that I point mean, they should they should just dissolve the franchise. Yeah, literally that'd be like uh when they uh oh the baseball team that traded uh oh that that got the curse. Oh my god. You know what I'm trying to say? Oh, 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 oh. no, no, no. You're talking about the Red Sox when they traded Babe Ruth. Yes. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, the curse of the Bambino. That that would be that for the Titans. Yeah, literally. Why would you want to get rid of the best running back in the league? Yeah, that (laughs) – I I don't understand this. And that's the whole news there is that he's been shopped for trades. Nothing else that I could find about it. So there's no telling – you know, what is happening there. But, you know, if he does get traded, that would be absolutely abysmal. It doesn't matter what the Titans get as compensation unless they get Patrick Mahomes. I, yeah, I couldn't imagine the insane trade that it would be to get him. Yeah, you'd have to give up uh, probably like an all-pro level player, most likely on the offense. 
mm-hmm. and multiple first round draft picks. Yeah, multiple. All right, and now it looks like Baker Mayfield is for some reason becoming a hot commodity because the Rams want to keep Baker and hold him as a backup. But the 49ers also are interested, and the Buccaneers. Um, I think the only starting job he could possibly get is with the Buccaneers. But I I don't understand the the 49ers' involvement here. At the moment, you've got three quarterbacks that are starting-level quarterbacks. Why would you want Baker Mayfield? Yeah, um, I'm very, 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 very confused by that one. Um, Him going to... Uh, Tampa Bay, I could see that. That would make sense. But, again, it's like I've said, he's a good quarterback. He can get the ball where it needs to be. He can win you some games. Is he the best ever? No. But can he get you some wins? Yeah. I will say, I would love to see what Baker Mayfield could do in Kyle Shanahan's system. That Yeah. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, great uh, offensive mind. I think that would be very interesting. Yeah, that one one is – a questionable one because I think Baker wants to start, so I feel like the Bucks would be the best spot for him. But you know the Rams are a good team. Stafford is kind of probably in kind of the last stages of his career, especially with the injury. Like he couldn't throw a ball for like eight months, something like that, something ridiculous. So um, yeah, there's there's no telling what's going on. But uh, let's talk about this real quick. The Bucks. Running back Rashad White said that he has no issue with the Bucks drafting Bijan Robinson. Uh, he was quoted as saying, "I'm going to win that job," and I'm going to be quoted as saying, "You are not." <laughs> Didn't they just release um, Leonard Fournette? Yeah, they did. So at the moment, Rashad White is the starter. If they draft Bijan Robinson, he is the starter. Like no questions asked. Yeah, yeah, he. I mean, good for him to want to compete, but I think Bijan's going to win that as well. Yeah, it's a ridiculous one, and I I really do think that Bijan is going to the Bucks. I think that'd be a great move for them. Do you think? Uh, I know this isn't on the on here, but do you think old uh, Leonard Fournette's going to get picked up anywhere? He might. Uh, uh, he'll definitely find a spot, regardless. But uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. You know where he'll end up. Um, you know, plenty of teams need a running back and could definitely use Leonard Fournette. Um, but I don't really know anybody for certain that's going to be shopping for a running back in free agency. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I was just wondering because, I mean, he he's a good quarterback. He, or not quarterback, sorry, running back. Pretty consistent. Um, not super old. You know, he's still got a few years left in him, so. Uh, and, I mean, I can thank him, like you said, I can thank some teams that need some, need running backs, but. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's also willing to pay him um, just because, you know, he's kind of like, he's kind of peaked. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, he was very good in Jacksonville. And then now in Tampa, it just seems like he's not, he's not the same, like, young, fast running back he was. Like, now he's kind of become like a short yardage guy, which wasn't his game for the longest time. And he's not great at that role Mm -hmm. so I I do think that there is a spot in the league for him I just don't know where he'll end up Um, but I will say the Rams are looking to trade off a bunch of pieces this offseason and also 
the Rams could be a landing spot now that I'm thinking of it uh, with, you know, the inconsistencies and the injury problems for Cam Akers and, you know, can't keep any of their running backs healthy, really. You could go for Leonard Fournette, but it's not what we're talking about here because it looks like they might trade off a couple of pieces this offseason, including Jalen Ramsey, which um, was already kind of reported on the last last week, and Allen Robinson, uh, the guy that they literally picked up in the offseason last year, already looking to get rid of him, and I don't blame them. I mean, they kind of did sell their soul for that uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> it seems like it because it seems like nothing's going their way. Stafford gets hurt. Cooper Cup gets hurt. You know, Ramsey didn't have as good of a year this year as he had in the past. Allen Robinson didn't really pan out. You ended up as Baker Mayfield as your quarterback to end the season. Things are not working out in Los Angeles. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it is time they start trading away and start a rebuild. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, one team that certainly is starting their rebuild now, the Raiders. Um, they obviously cut Derek Carr. He's now with the Saints. They need a quarterback. Um, I know they said just a couple of weeks ago that you know they have options. They don't. Jared Stidham is not an option. <laughs> He's uh, simply a, a temporary fill-in. But it looks like they want to make a move for Mac Jones. Problem is, nobody thinks that he's available for a trade. Um, I, I think that it's just a Josh McDaniels being like, oh, yeah, I know this guy uh, up in New England. He might give me something. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I don't think uh, they're really going to give up Mac Jones. Yeah, it's it's like it'd be like it's just Josh McDaniels being like, hey, I know this guy. Um, he's got, he knows this guy and he might come help us, but he's not going to, yeah. like, that's not going to happen. And maybe they will get Billy Zappy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they can get Bailey Zappy. He'd be cheaper. <laughs> uh, AJ Dillon, um, is came out in a statement. He was supporting his most likely his quarterback next year, Jordan Love. He said, I'll say this about Jordan Love. The way he's approached the whole situation over the last couple of years speaks to the type of character he has. He's never out here complaining or taking or talk or yeah, taking to Twitter. So I don't know if that's you know a little bit of shade at Rogers, but this is a good thing to hear. Um, if you're Jordan Love, you know, hearing the support of your teammates, even though on the other hand, your other running back, Aaron Jones, was just talking about like nobody can have Rogers. You know, you guys can get somebody else. But, look, I think this is a fantastic situation for Jordan Love. Uh, I know that he hasn't really showed you know, great potential, but he's still a, a first-round draft pick. I think he's, you know, he's got time on his side. He is only three years in, um, and he's gotten you know, a few appearances here and there, but I, I think that he needs like, the assurance that he is a starting quarterback to actually show his real potential. Yeah, I think they really want uh, Rodgers out this year so they can really see, all right, this is what we have. You know, because isn't his rookie contract, aren't there's only like, what, four or five years? Yeah, I believe it's, um, I believe it's four, and you can, re- you can renegotiate it three. Yeah, so he can, he's kind of on the do or die year, so I'm sure they really want to see, all right, what does he have? Is he worth our time, or should we just go ahead and pick someone else up? Yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree. It's kind of weird 
how this whole situation has gone for Jordan Love. You know, you get picked in the first round, and then, you know, it's a lot of headlines around it with, like, Roger getting pissed off, or Roger's getting pissed off, and then, you know, everybody shoots it down, but it still doesn't seem like Jordan Love had a spot. So, a very weird situation for Jordan Love. And, like, every time he comes in the game, he does fine. Like, he's had a couple of bad appearances, but it's because he's coming in in garbage time or he's coming in when, like, a bunch of guys are hurt. Like, that's just going to happen. Yeah, so I think they really just want to see what he's going to look like and if it, if he's really worth their time. Yeah. Uh, 49ers veteran kicker Robbie Gold says that he's going to test free agency this offseason. Um, so, you know, he's a kicker. It's not a huge deal, but uh, I know a couple teams, the Cowboys, that could probably use a new <laughs> kicker. Yeah, and why not try to get paid? Yeah, exactly. Go get a little bit more money. You, you know, he honestly, he might even end up taking a pay cut because he is, you know, an older guy. But one of the best kickers, um, you know, in this kind of like generation. Yeah. And then uh, Commanders wide receiver Jahan Dodson said that he's excited uh, for the BNME hire, stating, we're going to put it all on the line. The problem is I feel like there's not much to put on the line. You, you just don't have a ton of talent. Uh, across the board, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, there's really not too much going on up there. Like they have the opportunity, but I don't, I don't know about Sam Howell yet. But I, I will say, you know, it's not that there's not enough talent. I feel like they've just been in a weird spot quarterback wise, and that's been holding them back a ton. Because obviously, Jahan Dotson's been great uh, in his rookie year; he was fantastic. And then you've got Terry McLaurin, uh, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, uh, Curtis Samuel on the offense. And then on the defense, you know, Chase Young, who has been a little bit injury ridden. Uh, you franchise tagged Ron Payne, a, a bunch of pretty talented players across the board. It, it's just not coming together. And I think for the offense, though, uh, if they can, you know, either Sam Howell can really step up and be a starting quarterback or they can pick up somebody, I think that they really could push for something better. Yeah. So this one, this next thing is, you know, one of my favorite things that sports fans do on the internet, and it's flight tracking. I, I <laughs> absolutely love this stuff. And this one is, like, on a whole nother level. Because typically it's like a college football thing where it's like, oh, this head coach that – just got fired, just flew to this school or this school's private jet just flew to this guy. That's normally how it is. This one, whole nother level. Somebody was tracking Jeff Bezos's plane. Another guy was tracking Jerry Jones's private jet. They both landed at the island of St. Martin. And it's believed that this is them meeting up to talk about Bezos buying the commanders. Because it was reported that Jerry Jones may be the one kind of handling the Dan Snyder and Commander situation uh, for the rest of the NFL owners. So I think this is Jerry Jones talking to Jeff Bezos about buying the Commanders. And imagine if he does buy the Commanders. That would be so sick. I, I don't know. Like, is there a conflict of interest with like him buying a team and a company that he's a part of? streaming games like is that like a problem that is, 
That is a good question. I, I actually don't know. I think that's – I'm sure that's one of the reasons why they don't want him owning a team, but I don't know. Yeah, I'd like to see what that does because I'll be honest. I actually enjoy the the prime video um, Thursday night football games. I really like watching like the next gen stats broadcast, and I really like Kirk Herbstreit and Al Michaels. They're a pretty good duo. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Dan Campbell spoke on the quarterback situation uh, in Detroit, saying we do not feel pressed. Um, Sorry, uh, we do not feel like we are pressed, but that does not mean our eyes aren't on a quarterback. So, look, Jared Goff has been actually, like, statistically, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC the last couple of years. You know, um, you know, percentages wise, passer ratings, things like that. He's a consistent guy, but I, I don't, I don't blame them for looking at quarterbacks. You know, you might as well. You never know when Jared Goff is just going to fall off and like fall off a cliff. So having a quarterback, maybe a second round, like an early second round kind of guy, would put you in a good spot for the future. Yeah, and I think you said it great there. He is good. He has his moments, but he's usually just a good, consistent quarterback. As I say about Baker Mayfield, he'll get you, he'll win you some games, he'll lead your team, but he's not going to be the. He's not going to be your superstar uh, player, you know? Yeah, I think that's exactly what he is. He's a, a very good but not great quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, I think it'd be great for uh, them to pick up a, a quarterback if they can. He's they, – I think, you know, that's something they, they could be – they're kind of missing, you know? Yeah, I think a solid backup to learn from Jared Goff because at this point he is a veteran – um, and also be a part of a team that definitely has a future ahead of them. That would be fantastic for a young quarterback. Yeah. Now it looks like the Cardinals are going to be trading down from the number three pick. So it looked like for a while that they were going to end up going for someone on the defense, uh, most likely uh, Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. But now it looks like um, they're reporting that it's very likely that they trade down from number three. So this kind of opens the door for some of the teams like Falcons, Panthers, Raiders in the top 10 to trade up or teams just outside of the top 10 that want to trade up, try to get a quarterback. Dude, if they can, if everybody wants to do me a favor and just let Will Anderson drop, go down to the Falcons and let us bring him to Atlanta, I will be the happiest person ever. That would be awesome. Yes, yeah, screw Kyler Murray. Murray and the Cardinals don't pick up a yeah trade down give uh, let people pick quarterbacks and give up Will Anderson love it all right let's talk a little bit of combine news I'm going to try and run through this a little bit but uh, I did want to shout out Northwestern defensive lineman Adetomiwa Adetomiwa I think that's how you say it he ran an uh, official 4.4940 had a 10 10 foot 5 inch broad jump and a 37.5-inch vertical, and is a 6'2", 282 defensive lineman. That's crazy. That is insane. That should not be happening. Yeah, that is a ridiculous stuff. And, like, I was watching his workouts and, like, his drills. He is just a beast. But even more of a beast, Nolan Smith from UGA. 
He went crazy at <laughs> the combine. Put up a 4.39 official 40-yard dash, a 1.52 10-yard split. Then he like got on the mic because um, before that, the official, I think they read it as like a 4.44. And he was like, I only was running 85%. I'm pissed off at myself. He was on the phone with somebody, slammed his phone down on the ground, like losing his mind. Then he hears it was a 439, and he was like, okay, but I could have done better. Like, watch out for my pro day. <laughs> He's and, another one that's going to be really good. Yeah. Well, and on top of that insanely good 40, I'm pretty sure he had like a 40-inch vertical. Mm-hmm. He and he's a linebacker, right? Or uh, uh, edge? Yeah, he's an edge rusher. Uh, I think he's more like an outside linebacker, edge rusher. Mm-hmm. And then news came out about Will Levis. Looks like nobody was talking about Will Levis. All the attention is on Anthony Richardson. And I hate to say it, Brock. I think I'm starting to buy in on Anthony Richardson. I uh, so here's my thing with Anthony Richardson. He's got talent. He's got all the all the uh, things you can't teach. He's got the crazy physical just physicality. I hate that word, but it it fits. He's he's got all that. Um, but I think he needed one. He needed another year in the NF or sorry in the in college football because he still has so much to learn. And he's not consistent. And two, I don't. I've heard some things about him not having the best attitude and that's kind of why he does, he kind of, you know, is a little lazy. I don't know if this is true. I don't know. You know, of course these are just things you, I read scrolling through Twitter and Instagram, so they could be terribly wrong, but you know, and that's why he's not, he didn't reach. He's not being, he's not as good as he's been. He can't be my good God. I can't speak. He has not been as good as he could be. Because he doesn't have the best attitude, doesn't have the best outlook on it, you know? Yeah, and on NFL.com, on his like uh, prospect uh, thing, they've got his weaknesses listed. And it's kind of the similar things you just talked about, uh, you know, outside of the off-the-field things. But inconsistency and inaccuracy uh, has made it hard for sustained, sustained success. Um, he could use a better feel for his timing of his progressions. Uh, needs to take a little bit of heat off of those short throws, uh, a below-average touch and ball placement rolling out, uh, hasn't learned to manipulate coverage with his eyes, struggles to paint intermediate zone holes with anticipatory throws, accuracy issues are often a function of poor footwork, uh, can lose track of coverage and will throw into danger, too willing to flip the ball out instead of taking a sack. So, yes, these are things that can be taught. That's the thing. It is stuff that he could just work on. The things you can't work on is what he's doing so well. He checked in at the combine, six foot four, two forty four, a ten inch hand size, ran a four four three forty with a one point five three yard split, or sorry, a one point five three ten yard split, a forty and a half inch vertical, a ten nine broad jump, reached the top speed of twenty three point four four on his forty. And it just seems like all of the attention's on him. He's jumping up when it comes to uh, odds. I believe he's at like plus 450 now to be the first overall pick. He's out here, you know, he interviewed with a 
let's see. He interviewed with the Colts, Panthers, Falcons, Raiders, Ravens, Saints, Patriots, Giants, Lions, and plenty other teams. Pretty sure the Vikings among those. And, like, he's got all the confidence in the world. Going into press conferences, he said, I want to be a legend. I want to be like Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. I want to be one of the greats. Like, the guy, he's got personality, and he measures up perfectly. He just needs to end up in a situation where somebody will teach him how to do things on the field that will make him better. Yeah, the biggest thing to me is... I know you can be taught these things, but at at what point are you as like? Because me as like a pro at pro coach, I'm like, all right, let's get you one more year in college. You know, obviously he declared for the draft, so now he's like in it deep. But it's like I would love to see him one more year in college to fix a lot of these things, see if he can fix them. Because he's had these his entire career at Florida. This is not like it's been a one year. I mean, I believe he's been he's a two and a half year starter. Uh, so no, um, he was a red shirt his freshman year. Um, and then in his red shirt freshman season, uh, split starts with, um, what was the guy's name? Emory Jones. And then was the full starter last season. And that's it. Oh, I, okay. So my time's off, but a year and a half, I just, I just don't think that's enough time for me. But again, these are things, all of his issues come from things that can be taught. And it is, is he going to be willing to be taught them? Yeah, that's kind of the problem here. But I do see him as more of a prospect pick. It's got to be one of the teams that's up there, but it's not like imperative that they have a, a, a week one starter. I think that the Seahawks at five is a fantastic landing spot for him. And I think learning under Gino would be a great place for him yeah, as well. It's a guy that, though, you know, he hasn't been a star, he's got experience. He's a journeyman. He's a veteran. Like, like the stuff that Gino Smith has gone through in his career to become a better quarterback is a great way to teach a young guy that still has steps to make before he's that top level guy. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Bryce Young, though, because he's such a little guy. He's so little. 5'10 and 1'8. They had to put the 1'8 there because it really matters here. Um, 204, pretty similar in size to what Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson came in at at their combines. Uh, Bryce Wilson, or sorry, Bryce Young said, I've been this size respectfully my whole life. I know who I am. I know what I can do. For me, it's fair. Everyone can speculate and ask whatever questions are necessary. I'm going to continue to control what I can control. And look, that's a great way to look at it. And look, Bryce Young is phenomenal. His size is still, you know, an issue regardless. And, I mean, you kind of pointed out there, he's very similar in size to Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. Murray. And look at them in the NFL. Kyler Murray has a ridiculous contract he should not have, for one. But uh, he's done good. Russell Wilson, another one, just done good. Has a Super Bowl, two Super Bowl appearances. I mean, he's been – he's he's a great quarterback. And like you said, if he's able to get – I think he's better than Kyler Murray. The only thing Kyler Murray has is he's really good scrambling. And he can launch the ball about 90 yards. Yeah, but, but Brian- I think Kyler as well, like his build works a little bit better. Um, I think his weight is very inaccurate. 
because when you see him, he's like a wide guy. He's got a wide build, whereas Bryce Young is like a very skinny guy. And that just doesn't bode well for him. Yeah, I just think he's going to – and this, of course, we have – we get to see uh, – we have years before we can really tell. But I think Bryce Young will end up being better than Tyler Murray. He's just got all the things, all the – he has got all the football down. He's the exact opposite of Anthony Richardson. Yes. He is perfect when it comes to football, but when it comes to those things you can't teach, it's like, eh. Yeah, I, I actually really like that um, that you pointed that out, that he is kind of the opposite as a prospect to Anthony Richardson because you're right. He's got he, – the football is not the question here with Bryce Young. It's just about, you know, longevity and a guy that that's small. You know, he at 5'10", 1'8", he can't really get much heavier. Yeah, that is true. Um... And I think that would getting much more heavier would affect his mobility as well. So yeah, and and that's a big part of his game. He's not really like a scrambler, but he moves around the pocket very well. He can run when he needs to, and he's got some decent speed. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm just I I remember I I used to get really irritated when they would oh he's under you know underrated whatever whatever it was and slept on and. All that, and I was like, he was the number one coming out of high school. But now, like hearing it all again, it's like, oh, I now understand why he does always feel like he's looked down upon and uh, overlooked. Yeah, because he is a great quarterback. He is an amazing player, and they're not. People are potentially not going to take a big chance on him just because of his size. Really? Yeah, I, I think that I understand the hesitation. At the same time, you watch his film. Obviously, he didn't work out at the combine, but when you see his pro day, you're going to know that Bryce Young's going to probably end up being the number one pick. Um, I do think it was interesting for him to not participate in the combine whatsoever outside of just working out and interviewing. Or not working out, sorry, uh, weighing, uh, weighing in and interviewing. But at the same time, I, I, I don't really fault guys for not working out at the combine. I don't either. And, you know, honestly, I don't um, – I think it's going to work out better for him not getting drafted early in the draft, and he ends up somewhere where they already have an established offensive line, a good offensive line. Because, you know, we were just talking about how small he is and how that can affect him. All right, he ends up somewhere with a good offensive line. He has to worry about getting hit. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely caused him some problems. Let's talk about C.J. Stroud, though. Put on an absolute clinic during his throwing session at the Combine. Fantastic stuff there. Uh, didn't do any other workouts, just through. Um, he, he's got, you know, kind of a, a solid size, solid stature, fantastic ball placement. He uh, he said it himself that he's a ball placement specialist. He solves issues. He solves issues before they're there. And in his in quote, has been the best player in college football two years in a row. Love the confidence there. Says he looked up to Deshaun Watson and Michael Vick, and I kind of see their game in his. Because Michael Vick, you know, as as much as C.J. Stroud just does not run much compared to Michael Vick, I see it in his mobility. Uh, And then, obviously, Deshaun Watson and C.J. Stroud is a pretty solid comparison there. I think they're both mobile in the pocket, run when they need to, very skilled passers, 
Um, very good at like limiting turnovers as well. And so I do like that comparison there with Deshaun Watson. See, this is actually, uh, I know everyone was making fun of it and saying, oh, these, these, really, these are his models or whatever. And we actually just had this big discussion in my class about should athletes be role models and all this. And we brought up several historical figures from the early 1900s to now. And it's like, I think, I think it's okay to say that you're a role model in sports. You don't need a, it's okay to have a sports role model in the sense of like he has like, Oh, Mike Vick and uh, Sean Watson. Yeah. They're great on the football field and they have a great game, but outside, you know, they have questionable morals we can say. So with CJ Stroud, I think you're certainly right. Um, that, uh, yeah, those role models are, are questionable off the field, but when it comes to watching football, those are two guys to look up to for sure. And uh, I think it is interesting, though, that C.J. Stroud said uh, that he does not want to go to the Bears uh, and said that that's Justin Fields' team. I like that, but at the same time, you know, if the Bears don't trade that number one overall pick, you're not getting picked. Well, you know, you, you get that point there, and it's like, do you think if they get to the number one and there's something they desperately need, do you think they would – draft what they needed or do you think they're going to just draft him just to see what what they get for him uh you know i think they would probably go defense yeah that's what i was saying i was just saying like you know they need some defense there's some great defensive players that are going to go early in this draft go ahead and get them yeah i i agree with that uh let's talk just a little bit about will levis because oh god um Hate him. <laughs> he was asked um, why he chose to throw at the combine when others often opt out, he said, because I've got a cannon of an arm and I'm going to show it off. Uh, first off, fuck you. Okay, next. Yeah. Legitimate concern NFL teams have with Kentucky quarterback Will Levis is his, in quotes, deathly fear of milk. Um, people uh, said that he screams in terror <laughs> at even the sight of milk alone. This is a real report that I saw. Um, you know, verified guy, actual guy. Um said it impedes his daily tasks. I'm worried how he'll fit in an NFL program. First of all, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I don't think it's true. I think it's probably a joke. Um, yeah. That either Will Levis made up or like, you know, some stupid NFL guy made up. But it's very funny to say that because it just is like a joke about the um, mayo coffee and all that stuff. But then, you know, Will Levis confirmed that he uses almond milk in his coffee. Um, and that he's not fearful of creamer. This is just so weird. I, I know they do this every year for fun or whatever, but this is something that I, I can really not care about. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so ridiculous, but it just goes more to show that Will Levis is just so not in the conversation with the other top three quarterbacks in this class. Because yeah. if he was actually up there, we'd actually be talking about football and not fucking what you put in your coffee. Yeah, and I think that's a very good point to, that you pointed out there is if we actually cared about him, you know, we'd be asking, oh, you know, like you said, football questions. But I think it's so funny that uh, Anthony Richardson, who I was not expecting to be up high at all, is the one everyone's kind of on right now. Yeah. Uh, and I believe. Oh, go ahead. 
I was gonna say I'm pretty sure Will Davis beat uh, Anthony Richardson this year, didn't he? Uh, yeah, I think I think Kentucky beat Florida. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> mm, that doesn't come down to the quarterbacks, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> I do want to talk about fo- this though. Stetson Bennett tied Will Levis for the fastest thrown ball at the NFL Combine, clocked at 59 miles per hour. That is a ridiculous number. First of all. Good job, Will Levis, yeah. whatever. Even better for Stetson Bennett. Yeah. And again, Stetson, he's, you know, they, I'm, of course he's not going to go first round. He'll be a very, very late round if he goes anywhere. You know, I, I would like to see him in the XFL or USFL. I don't know. I think he'll I think probably he's... end up on a roster. I think there's a chance he ends up in like the fourth, fourth round. So he'll probably stick around, but yeah, it would be cool if if something if things don't go his way, I would like to see him do that. But I'm just gonna keep going off what I've been saying for years. Uh, you know, since Stetson Bennett, uh, probably since Stetson Bennett won that national championship, that he's just gonna be the like quarterbacks coach at Georgia very soon. Oh yeah, if I was him, I would try. I'd give this old NFL thing and the old college try and. When I struck out, I'd say, "Hey, hey, Kirby, you got a smart spot for me?" Yeah, he's got a job, regardless. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's either going to be the quarterbacks coach at Georgia or the <laughs> offensive coordinator at um, Lake Hartwell or wherever he's from, high school. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, he also uh, was asked about his arrest uh, earlier this uh, in February. He said it was a mistake. I understand why it can't happen. Good move. They were like that guy's PR trained. <laughs> and they're like, dude, you're 26 years old. How are you getting arrested for drunk in public? Come on. He's a college kid. At 26. Yeah, college. <laughs> okay, well, tell me, tell me one 26 year old college kid that isn't getting drunk all the time. I mean, you're fair. I mean, that's a fair <laughs> point. Like, a lot of people have kids by this age. It's like, dude, you're getting drunk knocking on random doors. Brock, I'm sure you've uh, run into to many eighth years. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just knew a guy the other day who's like 23, and he jumped the fence at a church while drunk <laughs> and broke the fence. And the church pressed charges so they could get get a hold of him, <laughs> so he would pay for the fence. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. We're moving on. <laughs> uh, Jalen Hyatt. Tennessee wide receiver was asked about his route running. He said, I know how to run routes. I played in the SEC. What a response. Yeah, look, I can't say he didn't. That's okay. I saw him run routes. He caught a lot of touchdowns. I I can't really deny anything there. Yeah, Uh, he was (laughs) quick. He could uh, run the routes, you know, get the ball in his hand. Speaking of uh, someone who has not been talked about at all in this draft, Hendon Hooker. Yeah, I think it's just because of the injury. Because like, it's still looking like he's not even going to be ready until the like the season starts. So, uh, um, he'll probably slide pretty far, maybe like a third round, maybe later. But I mm-hmm. I think that Hendon Hooker, though he is pretty old, um, he's twenty five, but. I do think that there is a spot for him somewhere. I mean, he he's a heck of a quarterback. He's got to have a spot somewhere, right? Yeah, I I think it'd be ridiculous if he doesn't end up 
on an, uh, you know, in at least the top f- five rounds, top four rounds, would be ridiculous. It's a steal if you get him after the third. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Darnell Washington. Because this guy's a freak. Oh, my God. So, he went crazy in general in his workouts. You wouldn't normally say that some guy went crazy at his weigh-ins and sizing. He did. He has the biggest wingspan and the second largest hands ever for a tight end at the combine. That's ridiculous. He's also Mm -hmm. almost 6'7". Crazy. Crazy. And then when it goes to the workouts, great vertical. Um, he made a ridiculous one-handed catch in one of the drills. That thing was yeah, that- beautiful. Beautiful. And then I don't know if you saw this, but him pushing the sleds. Yeah. God. I mean, pure power from him. Yeah, he is a giant. And just, honestly, he looks like he could be an elite tight end. I have to agree. I mean, he's got everything you'd want. He's pretty quick as well to be a tight end. And he's long. He's lean. He can get up, make those catches. He's got literally everything. I think he might end up being a steal in the draft. Yeah. Uh, And it it does look like he'll probably end up being a first-round pick. Uh, he did say that he grew up a Ravens fan. His favorite tight end is Mark Andrews, and it also just happens to be that his offensive coordinator at Georgia was Todd Munkin. So, so maybe the Ravens pick him up. I, I don't think it's likely since they already have Mark Andrews, and funny enough, I said likely they have Isaiah Likely uh, out of Coastal Carolina, who was pretty good. Uh, I don't think he'll go to the Ravens, but there's definitely some teams in the first round that could get Darnell Washington. Yeah. Let's see. Who else? Uh, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. So his takeaway from his formal meeting with the Packers Tuesday at the Combine was that they're looking for a receiver. So um, that is good news for Jordan Love uh, that he's going to have just another target because now that Alan Lazard's a free agent, it's pretty obvious he's not going to stay. So you already have Christian Watson, who had a pretty good rookie year. Add another great receiver, and you're in a very good spot with a very young team. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be uh, pretty good for the Packers to get him. Yeah. It, whether it's Jackson Smith and Jigbo or any other guy, because, you know, it just in first round talent, you have, um, um, blank on his name, uh, Quentin Johnston from TCU, Jordan Addison uh, from USC. Couple other guys uh, throughout this draft at the wide receiver position that definitely are you know first round, second round talent. So if the Packers are looking receiver, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I have to agree. All right, and then Iowa's Jack Campbell is the only linebacker since two thousand three to measure in over six four, jump more than thirty seven inches on the vertical jump, had a ten eight broad jump, ran a sub four seven. 40. That is ridiculous. He's a that, he's a giant linebacker and just a physical monster. Want to talk about a freaking run stopper right there. Yeah. Oh my god. He put him right at Mike back. Let him plug the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody's getting past that guy. No. <laughs> and then uh Michigan corner DJ Turner 
uh, ran a four two six forty. That was what? the fastest time at the combine. Uh, I believe that's one of the top uh, ever. Yeah, I think the fastest what a four two three. I believe so. Yeah, I yeah I believe only uh, I believe that's like top eight. Yeah. Uh, let's see another headline from here. Old Dominion's Zach Kuntz. That's K U N T Z. I'm not bleeping it because it's just his last name. Is a tight end prospect in the 2023 draft class. Uh, he scored a 10.0 uh, on the RAS scale, uh, the relative athletic score, which is ranked out of a possible 10.0. Uh, this was the number one um, ranking out of the 1,020 tight ends since 1987. Holy crap. Yeah. So obviously an athletic monster, um, Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion. Good for him. Good for you, cunts. Yeah, fantastic job. Uh, Keishon Boutte said the stupidest thing I've ever heard. He said that he's confident <laughs> that he is wide receiver one in this year's draft. Um, he might get drafted in the second round if he's lucky. Yeah, I think Boutte is good, but he just did not have that great of a year at LSU this year that would make me want to be like, yeah, let's get him first round. Yeah, like the drops are a problem. Uh, the route running's okay. Not all that fast either. Like he's not the wide receiver one. I could think of three guys at least, four guys actually. I could think of four guys right now that should go higher than him. Yeah, uh, it will be interesting to see where it goes because I think he he will have it. I don't know if he'll be a wide receiver one, but he'll definitely be a pretty solid wide receiver two or three somewhere. Yeah, uh, let's hit on. Let's see. We'll go two more things here. So. Deuce Vaughn uh, out of Kansas State, the running back, came in at five foot five. He is the shortest player ever measured at the combine since there was official data tracked in 2003. Holy crap. He's shorter <laughs> than me. Yeah, he's a little guy, but he's fast. I, he's pretty strong, too. Yeah, that's crazy because I'm talking, I have this friend, she's been hanging out with a lot of She's like five five, and I was, I'm like, just trying to think of like seeing her and but imagine she was built like Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, has thighs <laughs> the size of tree trunks. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into this. Actually, I'm gonna go last two things here. So uh some 40 times for the top running backs in the draft. A four four six for Bijan Robinson, a four three six for Jameer Gibbs, and a four three two for Devin A. Chain. Uh, Devin A-Chain's 4-3-2, the best among running backs, third best at this year's combine. Um, these are pretty solid. I, I knew Bijan wasn't going to have, like, an outstanding number there. He's not actually, like, you know, it's not, like, blistering speed. It's the strength, the skill, footwork that makes Bijan Robinson the best in this draft. Yeah, and I think uh, Jamar Gibbs is 40. There's exactly what we've said about him all season and how they were using him in Alabama. He's not uh, up the middle running back. He, yeah, he's physical and he can, but his specialties, you get him in the open field and he's gone. Yep, and it's kind of the same for Devin Achain. Mm-hmm. All right, last thing, because this thing was absolutely ridiculous when I saw it. So uh, USC offensive lineman Andrew Voorhees, uh, a top 100 prospect in this draft, suffered a torn ACL during his drills at the Combine and somehow still did the bench press 
and he got 38 reps of 225 with only one leg on the ground. Yeah, didn't he, isn't he the one who tore his ACL running the 40? Uh, yeah, I think it was the 40. Yeah, why are we having offensive linemen run a 40-yard dash? There will never, ever be a day where an offensive lineman is going to have to run at full speed for 40 yards. I think the idea is just see how fast they are. Because, like, think about it. If you're a uh, a guy, you got to, like, pull and block to the outside as, like, an interior lineman. You want to see how fast they can get outside. So, like, I kind of get it. But at the same oh, wow. time, that's so dangerous. Do you just – are you watching Ole Miss game? Yeah, that was a bomb. Yeah, TJ McCann <laughs> to win. But, yeah, um, I, I just think there's other things you can do because – not 40 yards, maybe like 20. Like, cause that, that you don't need that like long speed there in the end. You just need it's cause all offensive linemen do are quick, just, you know, quick, uh, yeah, quick movements, short within five, five, 10 yards usually. Yeah. The most Nothing important, more. I think the most important thing they're looking for in your 40 as an offensive lineman is your 10 yard split. Um, yeah. So that would make a little bit of sense. But yeah, I think. I think uh, there should be a lot more offensive linemen opting out of the 40. Yeah, I, if I was an O lineman, I would say no thank you. I'm yeah. not I'm not risking it. All right, let's run through this uh, college football news. I do want to get to this draft pretty soon. So I want to ask you this question just off the top. Does Georgia football have a disciplinary problem? Um, obviously in the last I think I think every college team has a disciplinary problem if you were to investigate and look into it it's once it starts getting out once one or two things gets out then everything it it opens up floodgates from what they've been uh you know covering up so and i think honestly they do this is not this georgia's had several disciplinary issues uh not and it's not even like on campus all off campus off honestly not not even really near georgia where they're having all these issues yeah, just tons of different stuff. And, you know, nine UGA football players have been arrested since January of 2022. Like, that is a, a ridiculous number. And, like, I'm sure there's other programs that have had guys getting in trouble, but you're now the back-to-back national champions. And I think that this is, like, the one thing. It's, like, the one smudge on Kirby Smart's head coaching, like, you know, resume that he's put together. Yeah, and that's something that is really hard to do because you can't be around them 24-7. Obviously, when they're at the University of Georgia and at the Athens area, they tend to be, they appear to be on their better behavior. It's once they get outside of the Athens area where their issues, or once they're not being closely supervised, that they start making these poor decisions. And yeah, that is on Kirby Smart, but at the same time, it's not because you can't control what people do, you know? Yeah, but do do you think that Kirby Smart, you know, needs to make changes here? I think there's as a head coach, especially as successful as he's been, he needs to start making examples of some of these people. Like, all right, you got arrested for doing something so in, insanely dumb, you're suspended half a season. Something along those lines. I don't know how crazy it needs to be, how hard it needs to be, but he needs to start making examples out of some of these people. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a fantastic take on that. Um, I know you're going to have a take on this one. NCAA Football Rules Committee proposes starting this season, game clock won't be stopped after a first down except for the final two minutes of each half. 
Teams won't be able to call consecutive timeouts. Uh, the NCAA Playing Rules Oversight Panel will vote April 20th to make these official. How do you feel about this? Because I, I'm i fine with the consecutive timeouts thing. It's okay with me, um, personally. I don't like the the clock won't stop after a first down except for the final two minutes. I can live with the not with the consecutive timeouts. Sometimes I get you you didn't they came they you know came out in different formation or something after the timeout and threw you off and you wanted a timeout. So I can see wanting it. The uh, it's not normal to call consecutive timeouts. You know, or is this saying like I like I think it's both teams. Okay. Cause if it's saying like, okay, I called a timeout and then I can't call another one, that would make a lot more sense to me. But like the fact that if I call a timeout and then I come out some they want another timeout, I think that's just football. I think you should be able to do that. I mean, you've always been able to do it, but you know, they they want to make their money. So instead of taking out the at all the millions and millions of dollars in that, making an ad revenue, they'd rather, you know, change the game of football. That's just how it goes. Yeah. How do you feel about that first down rule, though? I think it's stupid. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat. Why? Like, that changes how you have to run your offense. That changes that is changes offensive football completely. Yeah. I think it's a ridiculous move there. I don't think football games should be shorter. I don't even think baseball games should be shorter, but I'm going to live with it. I'm forcing myself to like the the baseball rules. Don't change football, please. Seriously. I don't know why everybody and their mother is convinced everybody wants everything to be shorter. I I, Never in my life have I been like, yeah, let's make my football game shorter. Yeah. I I think it's a ridiculous move. This is a great move, though. UCLA extended Chip Kelly through 2027. I think that's a fantastic move. He's doing some great stuff down there. I agree. Great move by them. And then it looks like there's a resolution uh, on the Pac-12's media rights. Uh, It should be coming within a couple of days, uh, which could either signal stability or more realignment. Because if they're not getting the money that, you know, some of those schools want, uh, they are going to hitch up and get the fuck out of there. Yep. And I don't blame them. I I hate it. I like the conferences being regional, but make your money. Yeah. And um, based on information from SEC insiders, um, there's a uh, – oh, wait. I totally didn't include the rest of the stuff for this. Skip over that. Texas A&M is paying over $3 million in guarantees for its 2023 non-conference football games. Um, those being New Mexico and Louisiana Monroe, they'll receive $1,600,000 to play Texas A&M, and Abilene Christian will receive $550,000. Uh, their other out-of-conference game will be against Miami. That is a lot of damn money. But they have the money. They have the boosters. They have the sponsors. They have all the people to buy, to pay for it. Yeah. You think it's going to happen again? You think they're going to get app-stated? No, New Mexico, maybe by ULM, maybe uh, old Terry Bowden's got something going on down there. But out of all three of those, ULM's the only one that stands a chance, and I just don't think they're going to get upstated this year. App State's usually just a great team and has good players, and they're known for the upsets against big teams. 
Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, we never know because who knows how Texas A&M is going to play. <laughs> Accurate. Uh, it looks like SMU, uh, San Diego State, and Colorado State, along with one other unknown school, are all in talks with the Pac-12 regarding membership. Um, so that's kind of interesting, uh, you know, following that news that their media rights are coming to uh, a close, or at least those deals are. I think that, I don't know, this doesn't move anything forward to me. You know what I mean? Like, others, like, I think the Big 12 move things forward by picking up teams that have been, like, perennial, like, top 25 teams mm-hmm. in their conference. SMU, like, San Diego State maybe kicks in a couple times. Colorado State hasn't been good in, like, 20 years. Um, yeah. And SMU has been okay. Uh, obviously, I don't know who the other school is. I think Boise State is the only team that's even worthy of making it into the Pac-12 right now. But, yeah, it, this just doesn't move the needle. The only two teams I could see would make sense for the Pac-12 would be Boise State and uh, San Diego State. SMU going from East Texas to Pac-12 is the stupidest thing ever. It's not going to be good for them. Yeah, they may get some better recruits coming because they, they are in a great recruiting area and all of that. But you don't want, at the end of the day, do you really want to do that to go all the way across the nation for every game? Yeah, that would kind of suck. But you And know, the American Conference It's, it's already, not like anybody else is scared of it. Doesn't seem like it, at least. I just think it's dumb. And usually the Southern teams tend to be, or tend, usually just fine with, and I, well, here's the thing. I guess SMU does travel a lot because they are in the American. Yeah, that's the, the thing. They do have to travel already because they're in a conference that's kind of spread out. Yeah, so I think that's interesting. I think a better move for SMU would be to wait for the Big 12 to want to expand again, and I bet you the Big 12 would pick them up. Yeah, I think so. Uh, But as well as that, it looks like Oregon officials say that they're deeply committed to the Pac-12. So this kind of goes against people saying that Oregon might jump ship, either join the Big 12, Big 10, um, I, I think it makes sense. I think Oregon should stay. Yeah, why would you want to leave a conference when you are now the sole superpower? Yeah, exactly. And um, and now they're saying that the Pac-12 uh, claims that it's a layup, that their media rights are going to match the Big 12, who just got a huge payday. I don't know if they're going to match the Big 12. That's what crazy saying. talk. That's what they're saying. Uh, again, I think that's just crazy talk, but you know, we'll see people. I just don't with losing UCLA and USC. I don't know how that's going to really work out. Yeah. And then, um, let's see. So the sec, uh, five different schools are going to be replacing their starting quarterbacks. So what does this really mean for Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, and Kentucky? You know, how do you see each of those teams moving forward? Because obviously uh, some of those teams are in better situations than primarily one of them who's in the worst, um, but it not being Florida, of course. I think Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky are fine. Georgia, of course, has three deep five-star quarterbacks. Uh, Joe Milton what is going to be a great it's going to uh take his take over and be just fine at Tennessee 
Um, Alabama's going to be a little rocky. I'm very intrigued to see how that goes. But, again, it's Alabama, so they don't really have too much to worry about with their – with both offense and defense being very good. They – you know, having a new quarterback is going to affect them, but not too much. But the team that's going to get screwed is Florida. Yeah. I mean, they don't have nothing. A, yeah. They didn't pick anybody up in the portal. They didn't get anybody good in this draft class. I have no clue what they're doing. I'm, I know Spencer Sanders came to Ole Miss to try and win this spot, but I don't know why he came to Ole Miss when they already, Ole Miss already had a very good backup transfer here and Jackson Dart, who is a four year starter. I think he would have, he would have fit much better in at Florida, but. That's just me. I'm real. I really do like him being here because it gives Dart a good uh, rival to have and work better. Yeah, and harder. Uh, in Florida, did they, they picked up one guy in the portal? It was Graham Mertz from Wisconsin, who's not very good. But they just, you know, they lost out on Jaden Rashada because of their boosters being idiots. Um, you know, they're really just missing out on everything. Uh, obviously, one of their prospects got in trouble saying a, a certain word that he's not allowed to say. Um, <laughs> it's not going their way. And then what? One of their like backups or whatever got caught with child porn. It's just yeah. brutal. Brutal. And uh, I, I feel so bad for Billy Napier because a lot of things going on at Florida is just so out of his control. And he's getting the blame for it. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm just happy because we're going to beat him again. True. <laughs> yeah, I, I I kind of agree with you. I think Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, and Kentucky are in solid spots. Kentucky obviously picked up uh, Devin Leary, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Alabama, they always figure it out. Georgia, I think they're in a good spot. You know, they keep a, a decent amount of that offense still there uh, while, you know, bringing in a new quarterback who is probably more skilled than Stetson Bennett. And then Tennessee, like you said, Joe Milton, uh, I think he's got a, a good future ahead of him here. Yeah. I mean, he fit in that Tennessee offense last year like a gloves. Yep. And then uh, Notre Dame is expected to hire Ole Miss special teams coordinator Marty Biaggi. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Biaggi. Okay. Yeah, so um, is their special teams coordinator. And I was looking at a couple of things that some Ole Miss fans had to say about it, saying that, you know, your special teams was a pretty automatic thing last year. It went very well. Um, you know, how is this going to affect the Ole Miss team that we see next year? Um, I, I don't think it, uh, I don't think it should affect Ole Miss too much. Um, Special teams had a few good moments, but there was really – I believe we only had, like, what, two punt blocks, maybe three, but they were all against bad teams. And I think we only had, like, two block field goals. Again, uh, it's – if there's a, a billion special teams coordinators out there, and the person we've hired, I'm pretty sure he let his – the last two years he's been, like, top ten in special teams – so I think I think Ole Miss made a pretty good uh, pick, got a pretty good pickup. All right, oh, yeah, I, I like it. I it seemed like everybody just kind of had the same thing about it. It was like, yeah, the special teams wasn't bad. Uh, they did a couple of good things, but otherwise it was very you know routine stuff uh, that was going on. Let's talk about one last thing in college football. Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers are expected to compete for the Texas quarterback job. 
uh, per head coach Steve Sarkeesian. This could be very bad for Quinn Ewers. Oh, this could be horrible for Quinn Ewers. Arch Manning coming to Texas is the worst thing that could happen to him. Yeah, it really is because now Quinn Ewers, he's going to be into his third year, uh, second year of eligibility. Um, And if Arch Manning wins that starting job, Quinn Ewers just has to sit in Texas, do nothing for a whole season, try and figure out where he wants to transfer to. Uh, and it sets back him going to the league because I think he's worthy of it, but he's got to start a full season for sure. Yeah, and I, I, I still cannot get over that Archie Manning chose to go to Texas. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. I just, he should have been in the SEC, but that's besides the point. Yeah, he should have committed to Ole Miss. He should have. Uh, like, I'm not even an Ole Miss fan. I wish he would have gone to Ole Miss. He, honestly, him and Elaine Kiffin offense at Ole Miss would have been insane to watch. Yeah. No kidding. All right, let's get into this stadiums draft. Um, You've got the first pick, five rounds, just like normal. Um, Obviously, it'll be alternating, so uh, Brock, then me, all the way through. Brock, let's just go ahead and start it off. There's nothing I else think to this, talk about. We're just talking about our favorite college football stadiums. You know, whether it's watching the game, uh, just you know, the stadium itself, the atmosphere, anything like that can factor in. Easy, easiest pick. I'm going round one, pick number one overall. You have the real Death Valley in Louisiana, that uh, Tiger Stadium. I yep. mean, I've been there once now. Unfortunately, it was not a night game; it was a day game. Crazy environment, so much fun, so cool. Loud is just so loud. It is so just cool. All right. Well, I really wanted to take that one. (laughs) But I'm going to go with the big house, Michigan Stadium, uh, Michigan Wolverines home. It's hard to argue against the biggest stadium capacity in America at 107,000. It could be one of the worst stadiums to watch a game from the final the final row because it's very flat um, and you are very far away from the field. But <laughs> you can't beat an as- atmosphere of 107,000 Midwestern football fans. Those are some corn-fed, like, real big old motherfuckers that just like to yell yeah. and get drunk. Yeah. I think I would love to go to games up to there and and it be in those environments. Yeah, I I would love to like actually like witness like because like for us the high school football atmosphere was like okay, but it's mm-hmm. nothing compared to like Texas or like the Midwest, even some of the other schools in Georgia. Yeah, no. I when we went down to Colquitt County, my sophomore year, and played them with Rush Propes and all of his boys that were going D1, I believe their stadium could hold like three, 4,000, something like that. Big old stadium. It was insane. Yeah. Uh, I believe it. It's because like all the funding goes there. But yeah, uh, just big old stadiums. Uh, just that call. It, it's that, it's like the same atmosphere that we get with like that high school football atmosphere. That's what you get with Midwestern football. Yeah. All right. Second round, who are you taking? 
I think I'm gonna give I'm gonna throw you a little curveball here. I don't think you're gonna expect me to say this one. Okay. I'm gonna go with the Rose Bowl. Mm, I like that. It's historic. I, I was gonna say the history there. It's a be- has a beautiful view. It's everything about it is just cool, interesting. I, I gotta go with it. I mean, you talk about the best stadiums, it will always be up there. I, I always think they put it they usually always put top three, top fives. Yeah. I really like that pick. The Rose Bowl, obviously, like probably I'd say it's the most historic stadium in college football. Yeah, Bobby Dodd may be older, but I think it's ten thousand times better. I have never no, been Bobby there. Bobby Dodd sucks. <laughs> I, I was about to say I went to Bobby Dodd in September. It sucked. Yeah. That that stadium's horrible. All right. Round two, pick two. I'm going with Nayland Stadium. Tennessee Volunteers Damn. home. You can't beat that white and orange checkered stadium. Oh yeah, that was that it was looks another one. So damn good. Yeah, that was actually gonna be my number two pick, but I was I was scared you can take the Rose Bowl from me. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like Nayland Stadium is fantastic, and over a hundred and two thousand people up there. Uh, you know, in Knoxville, a true you know, college football place. It's, you know, a pretty historic school when it comes to college football as well. So, yeah, Nayland Stadium's got to be up there. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you, if we were picking stadium environments, there's a couple of teams I would – other teams I would, would want to say, but their stadiums suck. But I think – I think Penn State has to be number three for me because – Hundred and ten thousand or something like that. Yeah, they're pushing it up there. You cannot beat that one hundred and ten thousand of your closest friends on top. I mean, for example, just everyone knows the video of uh, Mo Bamba and Michigan. I mean, come on. Yeah, I I like that take. It's a solid one, Uh, and like the whiteout. The Penn State wideout, fantastic. Wideout, yes. All right. I'm going for one that it's a controversial pick here in the third round. Give me the Smurf turf, man. Albertson Stadium, Boise State. You suck. I love it, man. Oh, dude, (laughs) I love it so much. (laughs) You suck. (laughs) What, man? You don't like the Smurf turf? No, it's the worst ever. Yeah, maybe it looks horrible on TV. I'd love to see it in real life. <laughs> that is true. I would love to see that in real life. Yeah. Maybe we should go to the, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Yes. <laughs> I'm so down. It, like, I'm just saying. It's it's kind of, okay, <laughs> it's cool because it's different. It is very different. I'll give you that. But okay. it is, it's gaudy. Yeah. Look, okay, it's better than Coastal. That is true. Coastal's quite hideous. Yeah, I, like, okay, colorblind. Tell me what color that <laughs> field is. I don't even know, man. It's terrible. What it is. I'm glad you don't know either. All right. <laughs> fourth round. Who you got in the fourth? For fourth round, I'm going to go with this one just because I think it's so pretty and it's just, there have been some great games played there. 
we're gonna go with uh uh Dope Campbell Stadium, Bobby Do- at Bobby Dodd Field. Yeah, I was afraid you're gonna steal that from me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, it's y'all. I think y'all can hold like ninety eight thousand or something like that. It's beautiful on the outside, all brick, just a very pretty stadium, great atmosphere. I mean, also named for one of the greatest coaches ever, Bobby Dodd, or not Bobby Dodd, sorry, Bobby Bowden. Yeah, uh, I'm so mad I didn't take that earlier. Because, <laughs> like, in my head, I'm like, I have to take it. I've been there numerous times. But, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more with that pick. It's a fantastic pick. Yeah, it's a great stadium. Uh, man, I'm I'm torn right here because we're definitely sleeping on one and I know it's because you don't want to pick it. <laughs> I got to do it. It's the horseshoe. Ohio State yeah. Stadium. It's the horseshoe. It's got to be. We can't leave it off this list. It it is a, a architectural anomaly. First of all, yeah. it's a horseshoe, and then they just have like a grandstand. <laughs> yeah. But look, 103,000 seats. It's honestly not even enough for the stadium, dude. It's they just got it's because they have to keep it in a horseshoe. If they didn't have to keep it in a horseshoe, they would make the stadium much bigger. Yeah, I think that stadium could be bigger. And I think the horseshoe is so interesting. Yeah, it is. But. Also, it's that same thing of why I took the big house where it's like it's just the Midwestern atmosphere there. And like like the like there's nothing else. Like yeah, Columbus is a pretty big city uh in Ohio, but it's all about Ohio State. Yeah. And you know, I've met some people from Columbus and it's Ohio State this, Ohio State that. It's like when you meet anybody in Georgia, it's Georgia this, Georgia that. I, I would I would very much enjoy to go to a Midwestern game and see what it's like in comparison to uh, an SEC game because I just don't think anything can, can – first off, I have the Grove, the holy mecca of tailgating. <laughs> so I'm, I've am i been to many other football games and stadiums. Tailgating is nothing like it is here, one. And two, after going to LSU, I don't know if any game – we may get murdered, but that game was so – that stadium and the game itself and the environment was just so interesting. Yeah. Maybe maybe we should just start funding a trip to we gotta Let's see like, go. maybe somebody's gonna play like Ohio State or Michigan, maybe an SEC school. Well, they're not gonna play Michigan. Michigan would never schedule them. But um <laughs> maybe Ohio State will schedule like an SEC opponent. We could go up there. That's fine. They're That'd not gonna awesome. schedule an SEC opponent because they know they're I mean, gonna lose. I know. I can hope. <laughs> we can maybe always one hope. Of the, maybe one of them will schedule FSU. I think that would be a great – I know we've said this before, and this is getting off topic of the draft a little bit, but in these schools, both SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12, whatever, ACC alike, they're not going to schedule these big-time games between the big teams in each conference because they don't want to lose. Yeah, I, I know. it. A man can dream. I know, and I, everyone, <laughs> everyone in football would kill for an Alabama versus Ohio State or Georgia versus. It's like how they do in basketball; they do the Big Ten, Big Twelve, or Big Ten SEC Challenge or whatever it yeah. is. I would kill for an ACC SEC Challenge, a Big Ten SEC Challenge. You know, 
something like that to where every every team gets to go at, at each other. And honestly, I think if we start doing things like that, one you would see one loss wouldn't really matter as much if Ohio State played Georgia. Georgia beats them, but they win out win their conference, right? They have one loss, but it's to Georgia, who's number one, you know, also wins her conference. You know, and it, do you want the 12 and a, or 13 and 0 TCU like this year where they kind of deserve to be in, but not really? Or do you want the one loss to the number one team in the conference champion? You know, you get things like that. Yeah. No, I I do really like that idea. Uh, but let's get into back into this draft. We're almost there. Round five. Brock, who are you going to take in round five? There are so many stadiums that I, I want to pick you. I would love to pick the vault because that's my stadium. I mean, I love it. But I, I just don't think it's one of the top in the nation. I think it could be better. I mean, then you, of course, have Denny Bryant, Samford. You have uh, South Carolina Stadium. You have the Swamp. Oh, there's so many to choose from. But I think, I think the stadium itself, I would probably have to go with Samford over Denny Bryant and all them. All right, I'm glad you took that because that made my next pick much easier. But yes, I agree with Sanford. I I like the stadium. I've been to uh, just just one game there, uh, but obviously I've been uh, down to Athens a few times and seen the stadium. It's very it's very new, like uh, like renovation wise, and like it looks beautiful. It's you know kind of smack dab on the campus. Um, it does seem – it almost seems unreal when, like, you just kind of walk past it. Yeah. George, to me, Sanford seems so much bigger than it really is because I, I mean, I'd say that it, it can seat 98,000 people. What am I talking <laughs> about? But, you know, you compare it to Tennessee, Alabama, LSU, have these 100,000-plus stadiums, and they're giant. But Georgia, as it seems, bigger. And I think it's because they have that the open end. Yeah. And since they, they just kept stacking up and they had the open end, so it just makes it seem bigger than what it really is. Yeah, and like the just the whole stadium itself, even when it's empty, it's just a beautiful stadium. Yeah. But also, you know, they pack it. They pack that house every day. We've talked about it before. Uh we've talked kind of about like college football atmospheres on this podcast before and how the the beauty and like the allure of Sanford Stadium is that it's not just college kids that just go insane. It, it's a bunch of like grownups and like it's a family environment. Like, um, we and I know I'm repeating myself from something we've said you know like months ago, but it's a place where like every family that me and Brock know and like that anybody that lives around us is a Georgia fan, they go to Georgia games. Often, well, I see that. I think that's the thing when you have these big state schools because, like, uh, that's something I've learned here being in Oxford going to Ole Miss is everyone in North Mississippi is an Ole Miss fan. You know, you, you go around, you see Ole Miss flags, Ole Miss on the car, Ole Miss everywhere. And that's what's amazing about these state schools is the fan base is everywhere in the state. Yeah. Well, and like, it, like, for Athens, at least, it's so out of the way for just about anybody. Because uh-huh. even if you live in Atlanta, you still got to drive, what, like an hour and a half 
Um, if you live north of Atlanta, like we do, it's like it's pushing two hours typically. Sometimes uh-huh. more because traffic. Uh, it's it's a very far out of the way for most people, and it still drives more people than a Falcons game. Yeah, but the Falcons suck. That's fair. All right, I'm gonna get into my pick. You made mine easy because I was choosing between the last two stadiums that I've been to a game at. You took Sanford. So I'm going to take Jordan Hare. I think Jordan Hare Stadium is actually really good. And, um, you know, Auburn isn't really good. But when they were, it was fantastic. I was there. um, I've seen two games there. I know vividly one of them, uh, they beat A&M right at the end of the game. Uh, Time was expiring. I think it was four years ago. Yeah. Five years ago, something like that. But like the War Dam Eagle, like uh, you know, seeing the Eagle fly through the stadium, it's a fantastic environment as well. Um, student section's great. You know, tossing the the football out of the stadium every time they kick the field goal, things like that. Like it's it's a fun time, and it's also just a huge stadium. Yeah, and I mean, I'm very excited this year. I get to go to Samford. This upcoming season, I'll be going to Sanford Stadium, Denny Bryant, Jordan Hare, uh, Davis Wade, and uh, I believe there's another game we're playing away. I don't remember. But I'll be going to most of the Ole Miss's away games this year, and I'm so excited because I'll be knocking off Jordan. I'll, I'll be knocking off three stadiums of the SEC, three more stadiums of the SEC this year. I knocked off LSU and Arkansas. Then this year, I'll be doing. Bama, Auburn, and Mississippi State. And it's just, I'm very excited to see these stadiums in person, get to experience all this. Yeah. I would like to add a couple honorable mentions, though. Yeah, I I have some honorable mentions, and I have some mentions that I didn't want to make, but I will. And one of my honorable mentions will be for a group of five school, um, the prettiest little stadium in the nation, that being uh, Georgia Southern Stadium. Paulson Stadium. I mean, it's a great time, especially when Georgia Southern's doing good. I grew up going to their games. I've been to several of their games. Been to, uh, haven't been to one in the last few years, of course, because I've been at Ole Miss, but great place. I enjoy it. Good place to watch a ball game. And I just, it's, I always have fun. And of course, an honorable mention is any SEC stadium. I would love, again, the vault I love. There's nothing like, when you're in Vault Hemingway Stadium and there's 65,000 people there and you do the hotty toddy chant and you lock arms and lock the vault and do all the all the traditions. It's so cool. And it's just, you know, sometimes it's not the best stadium. And I'll, <laughs> I'll admit that. All right. I'm going to give a couple of honorable mentions, but I'll start with my dishonorable mentions. The Swamp. Let's go. Fuck the Swamp. All right. All right, look, I, I couldn't just, like, say it's a good stadium. I get it. There's a good atmosphere, whatever. It's too steep. Yeah. You, you yeah, know what I mean? Steep, the steeper it is, the louder it gets. Yeah, but I don't care. They suck. And it's well, orange. The whole fucking stadium is orange on the inside. It looks so bad. Well, that's what I'll give the Arkansas. Is their stadium is so freaking steep. It was like I was mountain climbing to get up to my... Uh, section when I went, <laughs> and then my it other. Was, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
No, I was just saying it was insane how steep it was. Yeah, my other dishonorable mention goes to Clemson, the the second best Death Valley of two, um, <laughs> Memorial Stadium. Literally, the only reason I'm bringing it up is the hill. The hill is cool, undoubtedly. The hill is the only cool part of their stadium. Too bad Dabo Sweeney ruins it every time. He does ruin it. He also runs awkwardly. Yeah, he runs weird. Fuck you, Dabo. He used to be an athlete. Why doesn't he run like an athlete? Yeah, run like a <laughs> run like a human. Yeah. All right. Run like uh, <laughs> one more that I'm kind of surprised neither <sighs> of us took, but I have a reason. Uh, is the Coliseum, uh, Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, where the USC Trojans play. I don't think it's that good of a stadium. Uh, I understand the history though. The history is really cool about it, but I think the stadium itself is kind of meh. Again, yeah. I'm their opinion but like the the jersey um like the retired jerseys being on that like section of the seating is cool the like stone fixture whatever it's really cool and it's historic but i, I don't really care for it all right i i have to agree the only thing i'll say give this they do have a nascar race there which is pretty cool that is sick i would go for it for that I would so go to the race at the or the clash, the Coliseum, whatever it's called. Yeah. All right. Last one. <laughs> I got to give it to Beaver Stadium. Uh, second biggest. Um, or wait, no, you already did it, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Oh shit. Okay, never mind. Not Beaver Stadium. Um, sorry, Kyle Field. Um, that was yeah. my my last one. Uh, Kyle Field is just huge. That's simply all they have, and they're a cult. That that is also true. <laughs> All right, um, that's gonna do it for the draft. That was a solid draft. I like that. Um, please give us more draft uh, ideas because we're running out. No, I'm kidding. We can keep <laughs> making them up, but um, I, I like when you know other people give me some input on what they want to hear us talk about. So yeah, please feel free recommend us some draft topics, and I'm gonna just quickly talk about the World Baseball Classic because it's starting. Technically, as we're recording, in an hour and 12 minutes. Um, it opens up Cuba versus Netherlands. Not a fantastic matchup. Not a really star-studded one. But I get to see Yohannes Cespedes and Luis Robert play against Xander Bogarts. But the two pitchers, never heard of them. And I'm sure they suck. So, um, there's really not any good matchups, uh, you know, star-studded MLB player-wise, uh, until... Thursday, you have China versus Japan, so you'll get to see some of the really good Japanese players. Shohei Otani, um, Lars Nupar playing for the Japanese team, which I think is still hilarious. But uh, Saturday is the day to look out for. That's when the U.S. starts. Um, USA, uh, Venezuela versus Dominican Republic is that day. Colombia versus Mexico. A couple of fantastic games on Saturday. So Saturday is the day to start watching. But... Uh, don't sleep on Panama versus Chinese Taipei at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Or, um, yeah, uh, today as you're listening, um, uh, you already missed it. But <laughs> 6 a.m. Um, yeah, that's that's really all I got to talk about the World Baseball Classic right now. Let's hit stake your claim. Let's get out of here. I'm gonna go ahead and say mine because I really like it. Tennessee will be the first team out of the college football playoff for the second year in a row, so they're gonna sit at number five uh, this year. I, I just it's hard when 
you're probably not going to make the SEC championship game because of Georgia. And you're probably going to lose to Georgia, which would put a loss on your record. You know, I, I like that. But uh, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say uh, Tennessee versus LSU SEC championship. Oh, okay. I Look, I as much as what I just said I like, I like that you're taking Tennessee and LSU. I think I've said a lot pro Alabama and how they're going to make the title or whatever. Alabama's going to have one loss, going to be to Louisiana State University. Oh, well, Alabama plays Tennessee, don't they? Yep. Right? Yeah. Ten- Alabama's going to beat Tennessee and, it- and Denny Bryant this year. Tennessee gets Georgia and uh, Neyland. Tennessee wins. Tennessee has one loss going to the SEC Championship. LSU is undefeated. SEC also puts two in the playoffs. Maybe three. Oh, okay. I-, I like that. I think that's it's definitely plausible. It, it sure as hell could happen. Um, I don't know. I just I, I feel like Georgia's a little bit more built to win it when it comes down to Georgia versus Tennessee. But, you know, we'll just have to see. Both of them making quarterback changes. Uh, realistically, three of the four they're making quarterback changes. Uh, and LSU losing a couple of guys to the draft, not as much as they normally would. So, And they also had a solid transfer class. So we'll just have to see. Um, I actually really like both of our takes, though they do rival each other. Um, I could definitely see both of them happening. Yeah, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, Ole Miss beats LSU again this year in uh, the vault. LSU sometimes tends to struggle in away games, so hopefully Ole Miss will be able to pull it off, only have a few losses on the season. We'll have to see. I think the SEC is very competitive this year. Uh, I could very much see LSU having one loss again. Like I said, one loss to maybe Ole Miss. Maybe A and M, maybe Auburn. Who knows? Because the SEC, I think this year is more competitive than it's been in recent years. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a solid take. I think the East is actually less competitive than it's been. I think the West is so so competitive. Yeah, the the West, as always, is insanely competitive. Yeah, it is. I, I can't even. I can't remember a year where the West was like a. Oh, of course, Alabama's had the years, but like I think every year it's like, oh, LSU's taking Alabama to the wire, or LSU, or um, Auburners. There's always someone who's keeping it so close to the very end. And in the West, or sorry, and then in the East, it's like, oh, Georgia outright wins, or Florida outright won, or I think those are the only two. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the only ones recently. Um, all right, Brock, anything you got for the people? I do not. You sure? Because I think you said you wanted to mention something about Ole Miss baseball. Oh, yeah. So the Ole Miss-Louisiana Tech game, that got ruled an Ole Miss win, and everyone's claiming it's because Ole Miss did not put the tarp down. The reason they could not continue to play is because there was lightning from the, from the I believe it was the sixth inning which was at like 5 o'clock, give or take, 4 or 5 o'clock, until about 3 or 4 in the morning. And believe it or not, you should not be playing baseball with metal bats. Like, <laughs> and that coach went on national TV, tweeted the t- 
team's official Twitter account tweeted, everyone was on Ole Miss saying it's their fault for not putting a tarp on the field, this, that, the other. They should have played early in the morning. I'm sorry. Do they not remember that, like, these players have school? It was a Wednesday game. Like, <laughs> yeah, these are, once again, we have to bring it up. It's student first and then athlete. Yeah. And that Louisiana Tech coach went on, whined and cried and did all that stuff. And we're never going to play them again. Okay. Sorry. May, you know, maybe we'll play y'all again if you can make a regional, but y'all. <laughs> Sorry, that's y'all have some good players. I'm not gonna lie, they were getting at the best of us the first game, get the best of us the second game. There was still three innings left. They only played a top of an inning where they went up five to four, I believe, or six to four. It was still a close game. It's not like it was a blowout. It's not, you know, it's not like they opened up a can of whoop ass in the top of the sixth and was letting it out on us. It was a close game. There was still several innings left, but you cannot play baseball when it's th- uh lightning yeah and it doesn't matter how much you tarp the field and what you do for the field if it is lightning per rules that have been around since baseball started you cannot play while it's lightning yeah i i appreciate you using this platform to talk about that because i didn't even know it happened um yeah that's crazy that's like it's pretty obvious they they normally make it known like hey we can't play there's lightning you know within whatever mile radius um that's a standard thing for all baseball including youth high school college even in the MLB they can't play if there's lightning and of course you know them being the smaller team they had to, and Ole Miss being ranked 4 and them not being ranked they had to claim oh they didn't want to lose to us that's why they called the game it was no the game was called by the officials, not by Ole Miss. <laughs> yeah, there's not just refer like umpires. Like the umpires don't even make that call typically. They typically get a call from like NCAA or you know whatever the weather people are in the area, whatever the case may be. It's not Ole Miss's job to call that, and they don't even have that the liberty to call that uh, unless they were to forfeit. Yeah, and I believe. He wanted to come up and play just two and a half innings of baseball. And Ole Miss was like, no, her rules, we played a full game. It's a Wednesday night game. This doesn't matter. Sorry, that's how it worked out. Like, Yeah, that's ridiculous. It, You cannot control the weather. And maybe if you can make a regional, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. It's going to do it for us. I'll catch you on Friday. We'll see you all next week. Peace.